The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with Richard Deitch, the media reporter for Sports Illustrated, also the host of the SI Media Podcast. Richard, since so much of your job is to be critical of all aspects of sports media, how do you handle when others are critical of your work? Well, first, thanks for the invite. Uh, That's an excellent question, and I think my answer probably depends on, quite frankly, the day. (laughs) maybe even the hour. I think sometimes um, I've done a really good job with it where I'll use humor to pass along criticism, especially on Twitter, or especially if somebody writes something where they really, you know, take a big swing. Um, I think a lot of time that's a way to to be self-deprecating is a way to let, um, to let readers know that here's criticism you want them to read. You're sort of in on it. And then they can make the judgment as to whether the criticism is valid. I would say this, and this sort of, I think, just um, I'd be curious if others believe this or if they feel this, too. I think I've gotten a lot better at it since I've had children. I have young children, and I think you just learn when you have young kids that so much of your bullshit, honestly, is just not important. And what, what's really important, obviously, is them and making sure that they're okay and happy and healthy. And so I think I've handled it handle that kind of stuff much better than I did in the past. But like everybody else, I can definitely be thin-skinned, and there are times where criticism of me absolutely pisses me off or, uh, you know, makes me want to go John Stark on somebody. So, um, <laughs> or John Snow. John, actually, John Stark would be, and I would be going like... A lot of misses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. John Snow would be, generally speaking, better. Uh, <laughs> don't edit that out in post, by the way. That's, I, I, want, I want my criticism uh, to be taken so, yeah, I don't. I don't know how to edit. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So I would say that honestly, that, you know, to to, total honesty. I think sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm not. But I think overall, I think I'm honestly a lot better at handling it since I had children. Because I think, as a general rule, it just it's a really good reminder that so much of what I do in the end is really unimportant. But it's the whole perspective narrative that I think a lot of us have. And I've got I have a young daughter as well. Has there been a, a situation, Richard, that where someone has criticized you and actually changed your mind on how you view their work or a network or a show? Um, I think, honestly, nothing's coming to mind, but, but I'll tell you something what has happened a lot is a lot of times I'll hear from readers, particularly on Twitter, who will give me their assessment of mm-hmm. something I wrote, and it absolutely, um, it absolutely gives me a whole new perspective on another viewpoint. And a lot of times will 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 lead to will lead to change in something. Uh, in terms of just covering sports media, uh, to answer your first question, there's probably been a lot of times it's happened. I've probably written something, then a person calls me to sort of discuss their POV and where they're from. It, it doesn't necessarily change my wouldn't necessarily change my opinion or force me to do a correction or anything like that. It just I think provides a better understanding and a better context within that. I think the best people in sports media, public relations who idea, and I obviously deal with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. The best ones are the ones who can, you can have a conversation with where they, they see 
where you are coming from in your job, but they provide context and not spin, but context. And there is a difference where it can give you, I think, a broader perspective of what you're, what you're writing about. Um, there's also probably been times, I'm sure, where I, I probably had a wrong take, and I hope at a certain point, you know, I'm able to write heading forward, like either why I reevaluated or why that take wasn't great. Um, one thing, uh, and this is again, just sort of like not really that important, but I'm not a very big fan of the sports Emmys. I find it clubby and uh, oftentimes it doesn't reward, in my opinion, uh, people on air who really, really do exceptional work. It kind of just rewards the same people, although it's it disvalue there in that award because it does reward behind-the-scenes people, and that's very important for those mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes people to get noticed and to get more money. But I, I did have a Fox executive, I remember, sort of tell me, either it was last year or the year before, to say, you know, I know how you feel about this. I know you're never going to go. But I don't think it's as clubby as it once was. And take a look at some of the people who have won over the last couple of years who are on air. They're not the same sort of group of people, you know, uh, Bob Costas. And no disrespect to him. He's a great broadcast, you know, winning 15 times and people like that. So I, I, I appreciate that because I think the I think the executive was right. And I think I had been a little too hard-headed in believing something that was probably absolutely true but maybe had been modified a little bit. So there's always value in having your, especially what I write, sort of having it challenged a little bit, um, you know, where I'm obviously sort of just going to, if somebody basically just goes, you suck, or, you know, you, su- you, know, you suck because you believe this. Sure. There's not really any, va- that's not a discussion. That's, there's no value in that. But if somebody sort of says, hey, I totally think you missed the boat here, and let me give you reasons why, I think there's always value in that. And as I've gotten older, I'm much better at understanding that. When I was younger, I don't think I was that great. But again, as we get back to sort of the perspective narrative, I just think when you, you know, when you're, you know, when it's 3:30 in the morning and your kids crying, or 3:30 in the morning and you got to change diapers, and I have twins, so you know, two sets of diapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just, you, you just, your your perspective and patience just immeasurably changes. So I think it absolutely has filtered into my professional life in terms of giving me a little new perspective. On the sports Emmys, do you vote? Would you vote? Do you go to the sports Emmys? Would you go? Uh, there's four no's in a row there. No, okay. no, 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 and no. I would not go. Um, it still represents to me um, some kind of you know classism, elitism. If you want to extend it, I'm not a big fan of the uh, um, the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner. I think you know someone who loves journalism. I think that ultimately sends the wrong message to the public that it's an insular group that crave celebrity where you really want to reward people. I mean, we're taping this on uh, the day of the Houston floods or the day after. Mm-hmm. You know, the journalists, to me, who you, you really want the public to understand what they're doing are those journalists who are in Houston covering this stuff. The public, uh, you know, they hear so often, especially from our current president, how the media is fake, the media is corrupt, blah, blah, blah. Um, stuff like th- those sort of fancy industry dinners uh, cater into that kind of thinking. The reality is 90% of the journalists out there are doing and are in the profession for what the people who are covering that Houston flood are in. So no. Um, But again, this is just my own, you know, kind of ridiculous, probably iconoclast take. Most of the people who cover this space do go to the sports semis. It is an absolutely great place to get sources and contacts. But I feel like honestly, and again, maybe this is just kind of, you know, stupid like television narrative, but 
I, I, I kind of like the fact that I don't go because it gives me a little bit of a separation between those who do. I don't want to become part of that club because I'm covering it. And as long as you're covering it, you shouldn't become part of the club. If I leave this beat, let's say, and you know, became a television executive or writer, well, that's different. Then I would go because that'd be part of my job. But I, I kind of like the separation at the moment um, for the same way a lot of times when I watch the Oscars and I watch reporters um, uh, interview the, the actors and actresses who win uh, in the press room after uh, you know after winning an Oscar or whatever. Ninety percent of those questions are just so like. Uh, uh, you know, it's like sycophantic, and like it just—I always think that kind of world gives the profession a little bit of a bad name. Finally, then, Richard, do you have aspirations of being a TV executive? No, <laughs> I have no aspirations at all. Uh, you ever been approached? Anything? No, I'm not sure I'd be a great. I mean, I've certainly been approached about uh, you know radio jobs and television jobs, more on air than anything else. But I don't think I would be a great television executive because. I, I think part of that job, you have to really, um, you have to kiss talent's ass a lot. And I, I just don't think I'm built that way. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be a great agent because part of being an agent, I think the part of like believing in somebody I'd be great at, but the part of sort of telling somebody how great they are, especially if they're not great, um, I think would be pretty tough for me. Yeah. In terms of heading forward, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much longer I'm going to cover this. I certainly love the media. I'm fascinated by it. But I, I do worry because a lot of people who do this, who write about sports media, and I don't consider myself a critic. I'm a writer or reporter who covers sports media. I've seen those who've covered the B for 20, 30 years. They really become uh, curmudgeonly to the point of almost unreadable. And I just, I'm not going to allow myself to, to do that. Obviously, I'm going to want to pay my bills, et cetera, obviously – I think my employer is happy with what I do, and you know, within my little circle, I think I hope people respect what I do. But I don't know if the I don't know if the job is really made for somebody doing it for as long as some others have done it, because I think you do see a, it does make you cynical sometimes to see some of the stuff that's rewarded. Uh, and so I just, if nothing else, want to always watch myself for that so maybe my next thing won't even be uh have anything to do with sports or maybe i teach or something else but yeah I, I, you will not see me uh as an espn or executive. <laughs> i can promise you that richard thank you no thanks for the question One of the things that really stands out from what Richard admitted was not knowing how long he'd be doing what he's doing now. And I think it's important to never get too comfortable and shut out what else is happening in fields even tangentially with your current situation. It would be like going to college and only taking classes directly associated with your major. Not a good idea. You can follow Richard on Twitter at Richard Deitch. That's D-E-I-T-S-C-H and listen to him as he hosts the SI Media Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal, 
For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.